Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Dr. Hani Agaibi, founding founder and managing director of AG Instruments. AG Instruments is a manufacturer of gas analysis equipment. Hani, hello. Hi, Matthew. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, coming on board. Um, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Well, uh, a leader really is someone with uh, with a vision uh, that can uh, take um, people with them. Uh, uh, they need to sort of um, they need to believe in the vision. They need to think that it's achievable, and it's a good vision. And they need also to be able to uh, bring people with them. Uh, they need to excite them with the, with, uh, with the vision, and they need to. Uh, make them feel that is uh, they have something to offer uh, as well in achieving it. Um, uh, they need to be able to look after them and make them feel valued and respected. And how do you make your staff feel valued and respected? Well, I think that it could be uh, a, 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 the part that they play uh, in the business Um uh, getting them involved in different aspects of of, uh, of the business, um, making sure that um, they, they listen to, uh, they that they explain to them uh, what their role is, and that they feel that their role is actually uh, useful and valuable. Um, but also, it's little things like um, appreciating uh, their circumstances and. Uh, some people have different needs, so some would uh, would uh, would like um, flexibility in work. Uh, some would like the variety of the different tasks they do. Uh, so really, understanding uh, where um, everyone is coming from and what their sort of expectation on the job and 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 what how they like to uh, uh, to work and 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 operate. So it really boils down to flexibility. I think in in our business, actually, flexibility is quite uh, important, but uh, uh, also in the type of work. So some people like to do the same uh, type of work, and others, they like the variety, uh, doing things different. Some would like to keep uh, doing what they know uh, they can do. Others um, like to learn and also move on to other things. So really every individual is different and it's important to um, understand individuals and, and respond to their needs. Now you manage quite a few people. Do you find that there are any challenges associated with looking after so many individuals? Uh, well, uh, uh, it, it's something that I, I, I learned uh, over the time. Uh, I think the basic thing is actually to listen and to uh, uh, to, to get involved with um, uh, uh, people to uh, to see what how best is to, uh, uh, to to deal with them and treat them, but more mm. on a personal level as well. I mean, then um, we 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 all have. Uh, the same uh, sort of uh, needs, uh, it, it, but, but 
basically is just to to um, uh, to, to value them and to make them feel valued. Mm-hmm. And was this informed by anyone in particular? Did anyone make you feel valued when you first started out your working life? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I dealt with so many people. I've been sort of uh, working uh, since '86 uh, as an electronics design engineer. Uh, um, I've met many, many people. I've seen people who uh, makes made me feel uh, valid, and others. Uh, who have not and I think I've learned from both of them so uh, I think that helped me uh, to do the job that I'm doing at the moment That's actually an interesting point that you bring up. What separates a good leader from a bad one? Yeah, I I think a a good leader is someone who has got a vision and who is genuine in that vision A good leader who understands people understands what motivates them and uh, understand uh, their needs, and they can take that on board and uh, deal with them uh, accordingly. Uh, and also, it's prepared to um, uh, to, to be genuine, to be generous, and uh, uh, deal with them at a personal level, um, and not uh, just be sort of rigid in the way they uh, they treat. Um, uh, the the um, other people and the, the business community would be the staff uh, that they deal with. Now you have quite a lot of experience in your field. Um, obviously, there are young people looking for careers every day. What would, advice would you give them if they were looking to follow the same path as you? Um, so you're looking. Uh, you're talking about uh, young people wanting to. Uh, uh, Young people looking to get into your industry. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, to start with is really the interest. So, so to, to to be uh, inquisitive and to explore what um, is there in, in this industry and to to find um, uh, somewhere where they feel uh, sort of, uh, excited and interested. And um, I think to, to pursue that and to put uh, the, the time and effort. I think as someone starting the career, uh, I think they need to be prepared to put the effort and the time and the interest and believe in themselves that they can, uh, if they they show their attitude and they are willing to learn, that they can grow. Mm-hmm. And it's quite an, an exciting, uh, really, area where we, we are, we're creating products and uh, and these products can be fun as well as sort of uh, functional uh, and uh, if someone's got the, the right interest I think that helps in, in enjoying the work as well as actually doing it. It's great to hear that you enjoy your work still after all this time. Um, yeah. Before we before we go, uh, why don't we uh, touch on something on a much larger scale? If I pressed you to choose objectively the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, that's, uh, I know it's a difficult question. It is. It is. A, it is a difficult question. I don't know. I don't have like a, um, a clear answer. To this preferred one. Well, let's take. Let's see. take. Let's take for example uh, Thomas Edison. Uh, obviously, a, a man of science, but was he a good leader? 
I, I don't know uh, enough about him to to know how his, his, his leadership uh, skills are. To be honest, but uh, well, one of the interesting uh, interesting things with Edison um, is although he did create a uh, workspace where people could come up with some magnificent ideas. Uh, It was his policy and the policy of his company that all of the ideas were credited to him and not to the actual people who developed them. Right. So um, I would say that's not a great example of leadership because it is uh, not checking your ego at the door, which I think you would agree. It's very important to check your ego at the door, isn't it? Exactly. Yes, I think that's something really we try to 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 uh, to, to do right. Is that um, for some everyone to feel ownership of what they do? Actually, a lot of our uh, documents, part numbers, uh, various processes. Uh, when we give numbers, you see two uh, letters they, uh, within the number, and these are usually the initials of the person doing it. So, so everyone sort of feels that they own what they do and it's recognized and I try to emphasize this all the time when I talked about something I say this is so and so that that person has done it and I I try always to remember to do this and uh, but I agree with you it's quite frustrating when someone mm. uh, does something and then finds it uh, being credit to, to someone <laughs> I think that's really Absolutely. important I mean you, you've uh, you fixed the an important point there. Well, um, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly drawing to a close, but what does the next 12 months have in store for AG Instruments? Yeah, I mean, we we, um, we really uh, is a very exciting uh, time now. I mean, we've grown up for 10 years from a, a business starting the side room of my house to a company who uh, uh, products sold over um, 40 uh, countries, uh, we we've been growing quite a, a fast pace. We've moved to a new premises. Um, we've had the largest ever order uh, last year, um, and we launched a new product, which is a, like a world first um, use, which would be used in hospitals to measure pipe medical gases. Wow! So we are a very uh, uh, interesting and exciting stage of the, the company's development. And um, we're looking to expand on that. So we're looking to uh, market our new uh, products uh, and uh, in the UK first and then uh, overseas and explore routes for um, export. Uh, but we're also looking um, at other markets to expand into. Well, Henry, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. I uh, very much hope to have you back on the show soon because I feel that we have a lot more to discuss. Henny, thank you. Thank you very much, man. That was Dr. Henny Agaibi, founder and managing director of AG Instruments. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Lord Blunkett. Uh, we're joined uh, today by uh, David Blunkett, Lord Blunkett, former Home Secretary, former Education Secretary. David, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Uh, it's always a pleasure, but uh, since we are talking around the theme of leadership, it would be remiss of me if we didn't start with the leadership election going on in the Labour Party. Apart from, I'm sure you'll delight that a certain someone is leaving a post. What are your thoughts on it so far? Well, I think the party membership have got to make a very clear decision. Uh, are they in, in the stands watching, or are they on the pitch playing. And if they want to play, 
then the two candidates that are in for the future are Lisa Nandy and Keir Starmer. I'm personally backing Lisa because I think she's a brave woman with a tremendous amount to give. She's got really good, positive ideas. I like them because they're about building from the community rather than command and control from the centre. They're about a new form of social democracy and socialism rather than trying to replicate a failed past. And she can reach out to people that others can't. So I'm I'm giving her my backing. I think Keir Starmer is very professional, mm. very able, and presents extremely well. And I, I hope that one of those two... Uh, actually come through in the election on the 4th of April. Uh, there has been a lot of criticism, especially from uh, four uh, candidates a little further left um, than them, who've criticised even the last Labour uh, uh, government as being part of 40 years of Thatcherism. Yes, I think it's really unfortunate, uh, particularly when new MPs come in having seen large swathes of their colleagues lose their seat, uh, to roll up the 13 years of Labour government with everything that I'm so proud of. I mean, I, we, we were not neoliberals or anything like it. We were able, in the first 10 years certainly, uh, which I played a part in, to be able to turn the economy around, to invest in health and education, to be able to transform people's aspirations and their hopes for the the future. And that included ensuring people got the minimum wage, which we never had before, Sure start to nurture youngsters from the most moment they were born, transformation in the quality of education. And all these things actually add up to helping people to improve and change their lives for the better. And anyone who thinks that's not good and that isn't a government to be proud of needs to answer the question, what chivalet is it that you would want that would actually have done more to change those lives? I can think of two or three myself in terms Mm. of... Uh, dramatically taking on uh, inequality, although half a million children were taken out of poverty in those years. I can think of being even tougher on crime, even though I was dubbed as one of the tougher Home Secretaries because the people that I cared about most were, on the whole, not exclusively, but mainly the victims of crime. I can think about taking on the very, very rapidly growing transnational power of the big tech companies, which we still need to work through in terms of how we do that from a a single nation just off the coast of Europe and how we work internationally without getting caught up in wars we don't want to be involved in. But how, how are we international in a way that ensures that we play our part in making a better life for humanity as a whole rather than disengaging and becoming alien from the rest of the world. Those are big questions for the social democratic left, particularly with artificial intelligence and robotics changing the world of work forever, I think, in the next 20 years. Uh, An ageing population. Labour got 18% of the over 65 vote in the general election. Just 18%. It's staggeringly... It's extraordinary. Staggeringly bad. Um, And And climate change, which we all know is going to be either a big gain or a terrific political trauma. We've got to take people with us. No matter uh, which political party it is, the changes that will occur in this decade especially will determine their future ideologies, certainly. And speaking of your time uh, as Home Section in government, um, you worked with so many different individuals of all political stripes and none at all. 
Is there someone, and on the theme of leadership, that stands out to you that embodies some of those qualities you've described? Adam? Yes, I mean, I, it's on the theme of bottom-up, it was some of the most inspiring uh, head teachers and classroom teachers who, in really, really difficult circumstances, were actually transforming the life chances of children by inspiring those children to want to learn, to, if you like, lighting a candle inside them, uh, giving them a, a, a window on the world which created an inquiring mind and an understanding that the world was their oyster, that they could do things with support. My, my philosophy has always been mutuality and reciprocity. We, we need mutuality to support each other. We need reciprocity in terms of understanding that we don't just take, we, we give a lot as well. And I suppose that really comes down to uh, if you're prepared to do something for yourself, we're prepared to do something to help you. And that's fundamentally in education, but it is in all sorts of walks of life as well. So you can have innovation, you can have entrepreneurship and creativity in, in business, you can have the way in which people turn things around for themselves. Small businesses have done that, the contribution to... Uh, new ways of doing things, of thinking differently about our economy. Th those are all grit to the mill. Those are the things we need to do. And we can do them together. It's not that you're on the side of the devil if you're an entrepreneur or you're on the side of the angels if you work in public services. We, we are mm. dependent on each other. Oh, you can't have one without the other. Yes. Um, and I think to coin a term... Uh, uh, extraordinary, ordinary people, and especially when it comes to giving your answer, David to uh, teachers, to carers, people that honestly don't get the recognition they deserve on a day-to-day -day basis. And without them, half of society wouldn't function. I completely. I, I call it civil society, which functions even when government isn't functioning. It's, what, it's the glue that holds things together. It's people working and living and having their being together and recognising that they are dependent on each other. I, I've obviously met incredibly inspiring leaders in a different vein, I was very fortunate to have met Nelson Mandela three times. Uh, I met Bill Clinton a number of times, both of whom, in very, very different ways, were inspiring leaders. I've met people in leadership positions who couldn't take a decision to save their lives. Uh, Tony Blair famously said in the, his conference speech the year before he stood down as Prime Minister, and I, I knew exactly what he meant. He said the worst ministers are those who won't take decisions. And anyone in a leadership role needs to, A, know why they're there, what they intend to do with the uh, authority mm. that goes with being a leader and a manager, and then how to draw people in as a team to be able to implement it so that it's a team approach. It's not someone out on a white charger. It's someone who can mobilise, motivate, provide incentives for people to feel that they're part of the solution as well. Uh, and I think whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's sport, it's exactly those qualities that you need to succeed in any of them. Yes, it is. And if people recognise that and they have a clear idea themselves, they, they have and build, because you can't build, leadership qualities, they know how to manage their own time and their own emotions because we all, from time to time, feel like really losing our temper and... I don't pretend for a minute over the years <laughs> that, that I haven't. How, how to control your own feelings and emotion and how to bring the best out in other people's. How, how you 
work out that people who are really good don't threaten you. They compliment you. People who have complementary skills to you are really valuable. And I suppose the ability to listen, not just for its own sake, mm-hmm. but to listen because you are conglomerating, I suppose you would call it plagiarizing thoughts, ideas, ways forward from everyone around you. I often think that um, football managers wouldn't do too bad a job if they actually talk to the fans after the game. Well, everyone knows, uh, David, you know, you're a big Sheffield Wednesday fan. It I know. can't be easy having to hear the it, praise of Chris Wilder and Sheffield United every week after week. No, I, it isn't, although it's damn good for Sheffield, so I'm being a bit magnanimous at the moment. That's very good about of you. Sheffield United in the Premier League, because it, it, it does change. It lifts the image of the city internationally. If you're Not just because it's Sheffield United, but because if you're playing Liverpool uh, and you're playing Man City then that's a global audience. You're immediately beamed across the world. So that's good. I, I, I could cry sometimes. We can, we can beat uh, Brighton, Premier League side, in the FA Cup at Brighton. We can beat Leeds at Leeds. I was there when we beat them 2-0 in January. And then you can lose And then five you lose 5-0 at home to Blackburn and half the fans were out of the... Ground by by half time. What, what would a manager blanket say in this situation? I I would have asked myself a very simple question: What went wrong with motivating those players so that when they came out on the field, they walked instead of ran? They didn't have any of the passion they'd had the week before at Leeds. They showed no drive and incentive to take hold of the game. What what went wrong with the same players who'd played very well? the week previously and if you could answer that question and there may have something may have happened who knows something during the morning before the game started something may have gone sour you get the answer to that question and you then start to ensure that we never never do this again well i'm a chelsea fan so i'm beginning to feel your pain at the minute um (laughs) but i would like to pick up on another point you just made actually david about choosing a strong team people that compliment you a lot of criticism that uh, Theresa May got as Prime Minister was that she tended not to pick perhaps the more ambitious, the more uh, 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 people, uh, uh, ministers that might well challenge her. One of Boris Johnson's, for all his faults, uh, he has been said in the past, he's a man that picks people that are good at their briefs. Do you agree with that? Well, I'll reserve judgment on that until I see the outcome of the reshuffle, which as we record this podcast has not yet happened Mm. and I imagine I I would be very surprised if he didn't have quite a brutal reshuffle not just to get people in who he likes but people who are going to be really sparky and able and clear at doing the job because you can have all the best ideas in the world you can pronounce on what you're going to do but if you haven't got leaders in those departments prepared to do it if they're just toadies by the way and there is a tendency a new mm. prime minister large majority got to be very careful that you don't pick people because you're receiving the echo of your own voice uh, when you're speaking to them but get able people in I, I, I won't comment on some of the less able but there are <laughs> clearly in the cabinet as i speak at the moment people who are really just not up to it i mean incidentally anyone who won't be cross-examined by decent journalists on the BBC, 
changed their minds recently about mm. Sky, <clears throat> isn't worth their salt. If but part of being cross-questioned is to demonstrate to yourself that you've got a grasp of your brief, that you believe in it, and that you can persuade people of it. And if you can't do that under real cross-examination rather than sitting on the sofa a, mm. a, a, an easy morning television programme, get out of the business. You know, don't, don't do Without it. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, that's, and also, I should add, that is how uh, of All Stripes earn that respect in the first place. But there is a question, isn't I'm there? I'm trying to answer the questions. That's, <laughs> that's what I always try to answer the or questions. Or be very good at avoiding them. Either what, um, oh, well, the, the way of avoiding them is to take it head on and say, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question. Explain why. Not quite. Uh, <laughs> the, um, and I think one of the great things about uh, the Lise Castle especially is that um, it takes and talks to people, again, from all different backgrounds, leading something very different, whether it's a charity, whether it's a business, whether it's in politics. There comes points, though, and David, you must have experienced this, whether it's leading Sheffield City Council or as Home Secretary. When people are looking at you for leadership, where do you get your strength from? I think there's something inside all of us. There's a tenacity, there's a an ambition, there's a desire to get things done, to make a difference inside you, whether you're in public service, the charities, or you're driving a business that actually says, this is why I get up in the morning. So you've got to have something internal to yourself. The, the second is the satisfaction you get back because you do from seeing things change for the better. You, you can take pride without being egotistical. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do and to want to do it even better. And that's why you need both sharp minds around you. In my case, it was special advisors as, as well as ministers. I pretty well picked my ministers. Sometimes Tony asked me to take people who I was a little bit iffy about and we had to meld people into the team. I was able to pick all my own special advisors and that really did make a difference. Mm. But in, in the end... You've got to like what you're doing. I mean, the, the, the people who are un, unhappy in their skin, they, 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 it's very difficult to perform if you're in the wrong business or in the wrong department of a business or if you're really hating teaching or in politics, you, you're just in the wrong department. I was very lucky because education and employment were my first loves in terms of what I wanted to do and I got the job for four years. I'd then come to the conclusion that there were really big challenges for us, it turned out even bigger than I expected with the attack on the World Trade Center mm. three months after I became Home Secretary. But the big challenges of security, of reducing crime, of dealing with the development of positive citizenship, which also had a readover in terms of immigration, the kind of things that change people's lives either for the better or the worse. And you don't get everything right. That's the other thing you've got to recognize, which is why... Being part of a broader team, being able to take criticism but not always accept it <laughs> so, because otherwise you blow with the wind, that, that, that's the, the measure. And I think if we can share those traits, those experiences, those different elements through the Leadership Council, if we can get people from very, very different leadership managerial roles and delivery roles to actually be able to share that experience, everyone will gain something from it because that dialogue will inform, it will 
avoid people reinventing the wheel, it will take people a lot further than the, the niche, for good or ill, the niche that they're in at the moment. Um, David, the very uh, in a couple of minutes we have left, um, I will be mean and put you on the spot and ask you for predictions perhaps in three things. What will happen in the Labour leadership contest? How will the next few months go for the government after Brexit? Uh, well, after we leave the European Union on the 31st of January, and where will Sheffield Wednesday finish in the league? Lord above. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure which is the most difficult of those <laughs> questions. I, I've already in, indicated where my support is for the, the Labour leadership. If we take it at the end of January 2020, Keir Starmer has clearly got, a, got off to a very, very um, strong start. I think, however it will be very much down to who can reach those parts of the Labour Party membership that came in on the back of Jeremy Corbyn's election in 2015 to that post, who can be persuaded that what they want to see and the change, the big changes they'd like to enact can only be brought about in any form if we win and we win back the people, the tragic loss of people on our side uh, mm. in December 2019. Uh, and that, that's got to be Lisa Nandi or, or Kia. On, on the, um, the, the next few months, I think that the government will probably do quite well. I, I, I think that there are real dangers ahead in just having 11 months to negotiate trade deals, especially with bellicose pronouncements about we're not going to have alignment as though alignment in itself is a bad thing when some of it will be very good so i think there are dangers but i think there's quite a bit of momentum going with the government at the moment and that will be reflected in relationships in doing deals in europe and facing outwards to the rest of the world sheffield wednesday god help me i mean you know how is it that two of the things that are most important to me other than my family and loved ones is football and, and politics. I think Sheffield Wednesday will be hard-pressed now to get into the playoffs. If we do, I think we could pull it off, but I am really reluctant. And I think on that prediction, your reputation will be judged. Lord Blanket, thank you very much for joining us God today. God bless you, Jonathan. <laughs> this has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.